And because this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you stand in honor of the reading of the gospel? Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news, gospel, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, shalom, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, this story is so familiar, and yet sometimes so un- or misunderstood, I should say. Uh, In fact, there's a great portion of our population who doesn't know that this comes from the Gospel of St. Luke. They understand that it probably comes from St. Linus and is uh, recited during Charlie Brown Christmas. And there's, there's so much familiarity with this story, and we have this understanding of, of this story. And I, I was really tempted this week, I, I was planning to preach, because we're in this series, we're finishing up, about what the angels declared to Zechariah, to jo- Joseph, to Mary, and now to the shepherds. I had planned to spend most of the sermon talking about joy to all people. But as I was studying and looking at the story and thinking about how familiar it is and yet how misunderstood it is, the Lord kept bringing me back over and over and over to a different part of this story. And so I I want us to go there. I just want to be obedient to what God is leading. And the place where I was drawn was, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. 
keeping watch over their flocks at night. And so we're going we're gonna to look at this uh, really deeply because I think as we see where they were, we will find ourselves in the story and we will hear the angel message, the declaration in an entirely different light. So let's look there. Just uh, open your Bibles. Keep them right there. We're going to go through. But I want you to see that this keeping watch at night, because we have this understanding, I think, or my understanding is you think of maybe a, a few shepherds out. It's, you know, not quite too dark. Maybe just the bleeding of a, a sheep here or there. All is calm. All is bright. <laughs> right? And yet, when we really look at the language, and I don't know why it was interpreted, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch by their flocks of their flocks by night. The actual words there are hagraluntes. You want to say that, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. Hagraluntes, kai fulasontes. You want to say that too, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. Fulasontes, and a word that sounds very similar to it. Fulakos. Ready? One, two, three. Fulakos. What this actually means, that first word, hagraluntes, does not mean living or dwelling. That's a different word. It actually means hunting. It, it actually is the word for hunting. And those next two words actually mean watching. And then the second word, I told you it sounded like it because it's a different way of saying the same word, watching. So if we were to literally translate what the shepherds were doing out in the fields at night, they were hunting and watching, watching. That doesn't make sense to us in English. But in Greek, if you really want to emphasize something, you repeat the word. And maybe you just change the endings a little bit uh, for the emphasis. And so it's really like they were saying that these shepherds were hunting and vigilantly watching over their flocks. At night. Now, the reason scholars think that that word was used, and it's not just abiding, living, you know, sitting by the campfire, hey Joe, what'd you do? How's your flock going? You know, uh, but diligently looking was that because this was probably the season for lambs. And when ewes give birth to lambs, they are defenseless. And so if you're a shepherd, you want to make sure that they are taken care of, that they are protected. So you're not just sitting around a campfire letting them do their thing. No, you are hunting. You are looking out. You are watching, watching your flock. Because while there's the scent of blood and all the things that go along with giving birth to a lamb, you want to be out there making sure. Now, for us who get our meat at Kroger or at Meyer. This doesn't make sense. So I want to help us get back into the agricultural mindset. You see, for them, this wasn't just about making sure there was a healthy baby cute lamb uh, in the morning. This was their livelihood. This was their bread and butter. This was their, their, their finances. So I want you to imagine, I, this is the only way I could think to get us maybe back in that mindset. Imagine there was one night where your bank or kids, your toys, were all put out in a field... Your bank just took all your money, converted it into cash, and just plopped it in a field overnight. It might be a little breezy that night. 
And let's just imagine, for instance, that there is no light. There's no electricity. There's no fire. There's no torches. Shepherds couldn't have fire because it would startle the sheep more than it would the wolves or the bears or the lions. So it's dark. And, and if you do this right in the morning, there will be more money in your pile. But my hunch is, if we played this out, a lot of you would be out in that field hunting and watching, watching. Because it says it's not just shepherd, it's shepherds watching their flocks. So there were a bunch of them there. This was probably all going. So not only did you want to watch for uh, predators that might come and steal your livelihood, steal your money, steal your, your, she- your little lamb or the, or the sheep that was giving birth. You want to make sure your sheep don't wander off into somebody else's pile. So you see how they were there and they were hunting and they were watching, watching, vigilantly watching. We would do the same thing. But I believe Luke, who was a brilliant writer, also had in mind these shepherds as a metaphor for Israel and their leaders, both religious and their political leaders. You see, back in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the leaders would often be called the shepherds of the people. Even King David was, was raised as a shepherd and continued to be called a shepherd. And sometimes the priests and the, those in, in charge of, of the temple would be called the shepherds of the people. And so I believe that Luke wanted us to see this metaphor of shepherds hunting and watching, watching because it was night, because it was dark and there was no light. They are desperate and they are out there and they are hunting and they are watching, watching. That The same thing was going on for Israel at this time. You see, for Israel, they were back in their land after a long Babylonian captivity, but they still had a night that they were facing in their everyday lives. They had an emperor far away in Rome who they didn't like, who declared that there was peace, but kept the peace through extreme violence. Say one thing wrong and you could lose your life, you could lose your land, you could lose your liberty. And he held that an iron fist with a velvet glove. They had a governor who called himself King of the Jews, King Herod. He even built them a temple. And yet, he did not live as a Jew. He did not worship in the temple. He did not go to the teachings of the law. He did not eat kosher. They had an empire that gave them freedom. To worship God as they wanted, as long as they made room for all the other pantheon of Roman gods. And they were kind of looked down on because they worshipped the one true God and did not believe that the other gods were gods. They had a lesser status, so they had freedom, but it came with some strings attached. They had a temple. You see, Herod had built that temple, but it was clearly marked that the glory of God that was in the previous temples had never come into the temple built by Herod the Great. The shepherds were watching, watching, and hunting because night was all around them. It just looked different. Well, these these leaders, these shepherds, they hunted and watched, watched. (laughs) 
vigilantly watched in many different ways. The Sadducees decided they should just work the system. We should participate with the Romans. We should make sure that we get our needs heard. We should, we should be kind. We should play nice. We should get more freedoms for our people. And if maybe, just maybe, we work this and work the right angles, we'll eventually be the ones in power. And the glory will come and the light that we need will be there. The priests, well, we'll just keep doing the rituals. We'll just keep sacrificing. We'll, we'll keep offering these. And maybe once we'll finally get the formula right. We'll finally offer the right sacrifice. And the glory will come again. And the light will be there. And we'll lead our people out of darkness into God's glorious presence once again. The Pharisees, well, just behave. If you'll just follow the law. If you'll just be more diligent. If you'll just knuckle down, if you'll just make sure you commit to this, if you make sure you just drive it, I'm put your thumb, I'm gonna put my thumb in the back of my sheep to make sure that they're doing this. And if we get enough people, we'll eventually tip the balance to where God's presence will come into the temple one more time. And we'll have the light that we so desperately need. And then there were the Essenes. They just decided, you can't do this in this wicked, horrible society. So they just escaped. They went off and formed communities out in the desert and lived off by themselves to just say, we're the holy ones, we're the glory. Maybe the glory will fall out here where we are if we just do the right things again. Really just a more strict version of Pharisees. Now before we get too judgy, just remember we do similar things today, don't we? Because we also have our own version of night in which you and I are hunting and watching, watching. For some of us, we are trying to escape from society. We can just get away and just cut all all ties with what's going on out there. Then maybe, just maybe, we'll have enough light to see. Or if we just do the right things, if we just follow the rules, if we just do all those things that Jesus commanded, then, then we can do that. Sometimes it does feel like, doesn't it, in the dark, that we're just going through the motions. Just doing the ritual. Just going over and over. And maybe one time in the ritual, something will take something we'll use the right voice we'll sing the right praise song we'll lift a great hymn the choir will sing and the glory will fall and it will all be all right for many of us we just try and work the system i just got to work harder that's our system work harder and things will work out work and things will work out and we're doing that over and day in and day out and we're watching our kids and we're trying to hunt around them and and watch over them and really really watch and make sure that we're guiding their feet in the same place we're doing all we can but if the truth were to be told we often feel like we're alone in the dark do you see how this changes the story a bit But I have good news for you. Because it's there, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the hunting and the watching, watching, that the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds. And He comes when they weren't expecting it. They were just out doing what shepherds do in that time of year. They were out watching their fields. They hadn't gotten dressed up for a service. They had just been out doing their hunting and watching, watching. And here the angel comes 
We see this in verse 9. If you want to read that with me, you can. It is the angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They're not just terrified because, you know, somebody startled them. Oh, didn't see you standing there. But because the glory of the Lord shone around them. You see, the glory of the Lord was supposed to be in the temple. And in the temple, it was supposed to be behind the curtain. And we were supposed to make sure that the person who went into the glory of the Lord was really, really holy and righteous. Had done all the ritual purity things and was welcomed into that presence. And here, out in the field, I didn't dress up. I've got stuff in between my toes. I'm walking around and I'm hunting and I'm watching, watching. And here, the glory of the Lord, it's not in the temple. It's out here in the dark with me. I would scare you if that was your mindset. And they're terrified. But the angel says to them, commands them. I want you to know this. This is in the imperative tense. Do not be afraid. In your darkness, where you are hunting and watching, watching, do you need to hear today the command? Do not be afraid. It's good news. Then he goes on and says why they shouldn't be afraid. Because I bring you good news. That's the Greek word euangelion. Say that with me. Ready? One, two, three. Euangelion. It's the word that we translate as gospel. This is good news. This is something great that's going to take place, that's coming, that's going to happen. And it will cause great joy for all the people. How many of the people? All the people. So it's not just for shepherds, it's not just for Israel, it's for all the people. This great, great joy. Now I want you to know something about a herald. A herald, and Luke is really playing up this idea, when a herald would go in front of an approaching king or an approaching army that was coming, that herald would go in. If it was a town that was rebellious... That herald will go in and would not say, don't be afraid. That herald would go in and say, be very afraid. Because I know what's coming. But this herald comes in and says, do not be afraid. And declares what is coming. This is, this is different. We have to get back into this ancient mindset in our darkness where we are hunting and, and, and watching, watching. The Lord comes and says, Do not be afraid. For I know what's coming and it will cause great joy that will be for everyone. And that's what they need. He says it's good news. He says it's great joy, which will cause great celebration. And he expands. Even now, he expands their view behind, oh, I can just see. I see the light. The glory is out here. Not being afraid. It's to all people. He goes on and tells them where they can find this. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
He wants them to know. He's Remember, He's declaring this. What is coming? What is here? What is now? What they should prepare for? Why they shouldn't be afraid? Why there's going to be a celebration? Because a Savior has been born. When you're out in the dark and you're hunting and you're watching, watching, and you have no idea what is going on around you, you're just trying to do what you're supposed to do, what you need is a Savior. And this angel says, this is good news because there is a Savior. And they t- He tells them where to find them in the city of who? David. Good. You're paying attention. He tells him exactly where to find him. He says, he is the Messiah. That word means the anointed one. But he combines these two. He's not just saying this is the long-awaited political leader that you've been waiting for, but this is also the Lord. This is The one you have longed for and so much more. Remember Luke starts off his gospel with, uh, remember way back when we had the declaration to Mary, he will be called the Son of God. That he will be God in flesh. Those two coming together. He wants to make sure that they understand how powerful, how deep this goes as he heralds what is coming and what the celebration will be all about. He goes on. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, the city of David was pretty, uh, was, was pretty large and, uh, it was overflowing from people who had gone there for tax purposes and to be counted by the government and all of those kinds of things. So there could be a lot of mangers and a lot of babies that were being born and a lot of things that were going on. But the angel's very specific. I want you to know you'll find the baby Wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, which you would never find anywhere. That's a feeding trough. Cows or sheep or donkeys use it to eat. I don't know about you, but if you have a newborn baby, young child, Cassie, Chris, would you put your little one in a feeding trough? Didn't think so. Don't know what was said, but but there he wants them to find them specifically. When you are in the dark and you're hunting and you're watching, watching, it is good news to know that God wants you to know exactly where to find what you need. Is that good news for you this Advent season as you are longing? As you are hunting and watching, watching? That God wants you to know exactly where to find what you need. And I would change that to find who you need. For who you need is the Savior who was born so long ago. Who was not just the Anointed One, but was God in flesh who came to find those of us who are hunting and watching, watching in the dark, who need the light of His glory and His presence to find even them. But it goes on. Suddenly, it's not just the herald who is there, but the army arrives. And the army says, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying. I looked at that word saying. Because it's not singing. I think, I think we have this idea that they all showed up and there was a heavenly choir and they go, right? 
singing in Latin for some reason. But it actually says that they were praising God and saying. So I want, I want you to think about this for a second. You're, you're terrified. You're told not to be afraid. You're told of good news and great joy for all people. And then all of a sudden with this one who scared you, there is a multitude of that same type of being right there. And they all start declaring, because this is what would happen when the king would be coming, the herald will be out in front and he would declare either be afraid or don't be afraid, for I know what's coming. And when it was a victorious army that was coming behind him, they would begin, as our soldiers sometimes do today, to chant and to say the thing or the march or, or the cadence, something about what was coming. And what do they say? They say glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth Peace to those on whom His favor rests. I want to give you just a moment of what that might look like. So we're going to say this together. So just just try and put yourself there in the dark. And there is one. And all of a sudden there is a multitude that says, ready, let's say it together, with gusto, like you believe it, like you're an army that's declaring something about what is coming and who is coming and who is arriving and who is here. So are you ready? One, two, three. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When you're in the dark and you're hunting and watching, watching to be surrounded by someone, many someones declaring glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. That word is shalom. Remember, it's not just the absence of conflict. It is completeness. It is wholeness. It is having all that you need. And it is all found in God who is giving it. And He's saying on earth, all the earth, not just the little tiny piece of earth where you've been hunting and watching, watching over your little flock or over your little thing, where you've been working the system, where you've been trying to obey the rules, where you've been going through the rituals. It's there that they show up and say, God declares, the one who is here says, Shalom, have everything you need in Him right now for all the earth. And on humanity, goodwill. This is the Young's literal translation. So if you were to take Greek and try and put it right into English. Because I think sometimes we kind of do a qualifier when we read it in the NIV. Goodwill on those whom His favor rests. Well, boy, I hope I'm one of those ones on whom goodwill rests. But if we were to translate it directly from the Greek, it would just be, and on the earth, shalom. And on humanity, Goodwill. There's no qualifier. The one who is coming will change everything. Will bring His presence to everyone who is walking, hunting, and watching, watching. They have only to receive. Only to change, to turn around and face, to repent and move in that direction. Remember, they are declaring what is and what shall be because of the newborn King. Are you hunting and watching, watching? Do you feel like you're in the dark? 
Do you feel like you just need to try a bit more, try to be better, try to do a little more, and maybe, maybe your little flock will increase and grow? You know, pastors can fall into that trap. Do you feel alone in the dark? In this Advent season where it is an intentional season of longing, do you feel like you're just waiting for light, for a Savior, for God's presence to be with you? I want you to know that there is good news. I want to declare with the angel, do not be afraid. For there is great news of great joy which shall be for all people. And that includes you. And that includes me. And that includes those outside of these walls. There is good news because unto us a Savior has been born and He is Christ and the Lord. He is them in flesh for you. The presence of God will be with you out where you are in the dark, in the hunting and watching, watching. The same God who created all comes to you and He wants you to know exactly where to find Him. And He is as near as your next breath. This is good news. For those who are hunting and watching, watching in the dark. Do you need to join the heavenly hosts in declaration to sing glory in the highest to God and upon earth, peace on humanity, goodwill? Today, on the last Sunday of Advent, as we move into the Christmas season, it's a great place to right where you are, right where you are hunting and watching, watching, to join and declare what you know is coming. Not because you've worked the system, not because you're a better hunter than the next person, not because you watch more, not because you do more, not because you go through the rituals, but because Jesus has come. And His glory is with you, can be with you, can be in you. If you will receive the gift, are you ready to declare? You see, sometimes I think we think worship and singing is about getting a good feeling and a goosebump. But really, why do we keep singing? Because the angels set a good example of declaring what is coming and what is and what will be. And so you and I are called. When you sing those carols tonight, it's not just about good feelings. It's about declaring who you serve, who has come, who is with you in the field, and who will be with you always. So I thought today, before we left, we would, we would sing our prayer. Just our voices. And we would declare the prayer of Advent. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Would you sing? Would you declare with me in whatever field you are watching, watching, and hunting in right now? 
Come Thou long-expected Jesus, born to set Thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in Thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth Thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born Thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, By Thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to Thy glorious throne. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now may you... Whatever the night looks like, whatever field you are hunting and watching, watching in, may this Christmas season you experience the light of the glory of the Lord all around you. May you give up working the system, trying harder, going through the motions, and simply receive the gift that was given in the city of David. May you experience the grace, the peace, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the great joy of God in flesh, pouring His presence and His glory into you, right where you are. And I pray that you celebrate and declare with the angels, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, shalom, on humanity, goodwill. And I pray that this will happen for you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.